0: Hello there, welcome to Talent and Growth, the podcast dedicated to all things talent attraction and talent retention. I'm your host, Paul Church, as always. Um, And today we're joined by Hannah Artak, a really experienced uh, people officer, chief people officer, people person, people expert, a very commercially minded people person as well. And today that's exactly what we're gonna be talking about, how to be a commercial people person. Hannah's got so much knowledge and expertise, um, it's a great conversation, just a real pleasure uh, to sit under the learning tree and just, just hear a perspective. Um, so I hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you are enjoying Talent and Growth, please do like us, share us, subscribe, tell a friend, keep the movement going. I hope you enjoy this. Here is Hannah. Hannah, welcome to Talent and Growth. It's a pleasure to have you on. How are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
0: Really good, thanks, really good. And as always, I'd ask if you wouldn't mind just sharing a bit about who you are, your background, your career, your journey, and just to share a bit with our audience. Um,
1: yeah, okay, my name is Hannah ray I'm a Chief People Officer. Um, I've also worked in sort of operating roles as well. So some people might call me a Chief Operating and People Officer, but my I'd say my sole my main focus is to be a Chief People Officer um my background is quite a mix actually I didn't ever train initially to go into HR I did a degree in marine geography which is quite different to what I do now um and from doing my degree I ended up in HR from uh, having spoken to people about things I enjoy and kind of the type of career I would like that's how I kind of ended up in it really just from learning about things I was good at, things I was interested in, and in the type of career that would suit me. And I went, first of all, into the corporate world, really wanted to get a good background in the foundation of HR and business, um, and have wor- I've worked in banking, in telecoms, in retail, and also in consultancy and actuarial before I uh, went into what we we'll call the tech startup, startup scale at world. Um, a few years ago now and um, for me I think I gained a great foundation in the corporate world but I found my place in the tech startup and scale scale world. I I sort of felt like a round peg in a round hole as opposed to maybe a square peg in a round hole in the the more corporate world Um, and I I have loved every minute of it. I love the opportunity in Startups and scaleups—the opportunity to be creative, the opportunity to build—and I often describe myself as somebody who loves building great businesses. I happen to sit in people, so my first love is building great businesses. Um, and in the tech world, I've obviously gone through several iterations, and I've taken one business to exit. So, um, so lots of rounded experience, particularly in the investor world um, and in tech scaleups, but some. Yeah, quite an amalgamation over all the years I've been working in people.
0: Fantastic! Well, great to have you here. And today we are talking, of course, about being a commercially focused people person. So, let's start with what what are some of the traps that people professionals sometimes fall into?
1: I think. I think I would just first of all say that HR is relevant to the business that you are operating in and different people approach hr in different ways there's the very traditional hr which you know in very traditional organizations is absolutely the right way to do it that's not necessarily that's not really my thing Um, i prefer the more commercial progressive hr but i think certainly in environments where you are building businesses commercial hr is and commercially thinking about how you build great businesses is absolutely key and I think some of the traps are probably the most obvious one to be honest with you that you see most often is people not learning the business you've got to know the business that you are in you need to understand what they're about what their goals are what their product is what does their target market look like what are their plans for expansion what does that business strategy look like what does the journey that's attached to that look like because you can't create a great people strategy without understanding all of those things because you won't be aligned as closely as you need to and I think the other thing around knowing that business is you to have a an equal seat at the top table you know you everybody in that room needs to understand that business and understand what that business needs to grow and scale and succeed um and it can't just all be about people um so you need to understand I always say that a really good sign of a really great leadership team is that each of you can talk about the other's area. Maybe not in as much depth as the individual can, but if somebody had to step out of the room when you were in a board meeting, you could talk about that person's area and give a good enough overview of where things were and, and actually understand it. So I think that's a, you know, knowing that business and being able to talk to each area of the business is absolutely um, critical. The other thing I would just say is um, not involving others in the initiatives or the plans that you have so it's not just about knowing the business but it's also about understanding the people within the business the challenges within the business you know what is what are the pains of that business what do they need to do in order to grow how do you prioritize how to support delivery of that Um, but that you won't know all of that you have to speak to everybody get that feedback get that input into your own to help you to inform your people strategy. Um, the other thing I see you, you do see a lot is trying to create something beautiful and overcomplicating it. Nothing has to look beautiful, it just needs to be really simple, really relevant, um, solve the, the pain that, that the, cut the business is, is feeling, drive real gain through the organization, and for that to be visual, you know, tangible gain, um, and also don't over plan, you know, start with where you are now and iterate. If you start with what, where you are now, you can get going straight away and then you can learn as you go, you can iterate as you go and you just take the business with you on that journey. Um, and I think, again, you can't say it enough, you've got to involve your audience. Um, you wouldn't go and create a product for a market without speaking to potential customers or your existing customer base and you shouldn't do it in an HR role. Um, you should be treating the people within the organisation, all of them, as your customer.
0: You talked about um, having that seat at the top table, and I think over the years, um, perhaps HR people didn't have that seat. And and I think, and for me, and obviously you'll have your own perspective, I think I saw it happening more and more, uh, quite dramatically, in 2020. Um, I don't know about you, but do you think that those in the senior... Leadership positions in people in HR are getting that recognition now
1: across the board no definitely not um I think if you are there is more of an opportunity in a business that is open minded and really thinks people first, but also where it's been demonstrated of the commerciality that HR people functions can bring to um, an organisation. And I think if you think about other departments around that table, product, look at sales, for example. You know, you're always talking about metrics, and you've got to be making sure that you're bringing people metrics to the table. You're understanding the metrics that the other metrics that are being discussed around the table, um, and you're able to connect the dots and bring those metrics together, sort of almost like an overall sort of dashboard, I suppose, really, and understand how they all relate to each other and. How one how they can drive improvement in each other, or you know, drive, um, um, or, or drive a, you know a poorer performance. Um, and if you think about it, really simply, if you think about employee net promoter score, for example, which is a key metric, if you haven't got a product, if you're not communicating well as a leadership team, if you're not meeting the your numbers on your sales, for example, to, to as expected. Those are all sorts of things that will pull down an employee net promoter score, will create disengagement, will create dissatisfaction. So understanding what drives success in those areas and how you can help and support deliver those metrics to those and work with those teams in partnership will um, definitely give you a better chance of a seat at that at that table. Um, but you, I still think it needs CEOs, CFOs and boards to understand the value that people bring to an organization which still is not a level playing field i would say
0: gotcha okay and we we talked about uh some of the traps what 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 makes a a great people person though in your eyes
1: to me it's somebody who prioritizes knowing the business um, and continues to learn so you can't go in and learn it once you need to be really following and then be part of that journey and understanding that journey um to me there's there's one basic element. When you go in and, and, and look at building a people function in a business or developing the people function within the business, you need to really a people strategy is a holistic thing, but there's I tend to think it falls into two areas. One is what I'm going to call your foundation area, the things that you are non negotiable. So they're things like compliance, GDPR, the legals, all those sorts of things. You've got to make sure you've got a great foundation in place so that your the the policies perhaps whatever you've got in place is is happening you've got your audit checking in there and you can almost say that's done my hygiene factors are done and now I can focus my time on the things that are really going to add the value such as you know introducing a continuous conversation performance model the things that take time um, but really start to add value learning more around the business the metrics being more data led as a department all those sorts of things thinking about our employee value proposition so I think it definitely falls into those two categories. You can't ignore the foundation because that's the things which will trip you up in the future and you know you have to have. But you need to find a way of making sure you've almost done that, locked it down, you're reviewing it in it's happening. But you can spend most of your time on the things that are really going to add the tangible business value. Um, so for me, somebody who understands the two elements and can do both well is is, is somebody who's likely to be a very good commercial Um, or great people person Um, um, I think the other one I would say is and I think something I think about a lot but understanding the difference between diversity and inclusivity to me diversity is about ticking boxes inclusivity is about actually everybody in the organisation feeling welcome and part of the team irrespective of who you are um and what you're bringing to the organization um you know it's it's twofold really you know your customer base is never one one you know impersonation of a person it's a really diverse um sort of world out there and as you know if we're looking at our customer we want to make sure we're as inclusive as possible so they feel like they want to work with us they want to buy from us they they want our product they feel like welcome in terms of us you know, uh, how we approach them and how we're working with them. And we need to be doing the same internally. And I think there was a great, I can't remember who first said it, but there's a great saying which talks about um, diversity is um, being asked to the party. Inclusivity is being asked to dance. But I think it's actually one step on from that. And it's actually inclusivity is not just being asked to dance, but feeling like you are comfortable dancing. Um, it's one thing to be asked to dance but do you really want to get on the dance floor you know whereas if you want to get on the dance floor and you're happy with everybody and you know getting down and doing your thing then that to me is inclusivity Um, leaving somebody on the sidelines or having somebody come and dance a bit being uncomfortable is not inclusivity Um, so for me understanding the difference between the two because inclusivity creates a great organisation and there are so many commercial aspects to that as well as obviously the you know being a decent human being
0: yeah absolutely and uh i just googled that quote and it's by uh, a lady called Verna myers who gave us that quote uh he's done quite a few ted talks so yeah great quote and um okay so then moving forward then what, what sort of metrics then should we be focusing on
1: so i one caveat I should just say is I think the one thing that one of the traps that people can fall into is learning metrics and then basically going into every organization and applying the same metrics in every organization so the one caveat is to say these are metrics which I think are good metrics but you have to take them and adapt them for the environment that you're sitting in so I think that's just one thing just a caveat and people don't sort of it's not like a copy and paste situation but these are the core ones that I would always look at
0: is that that every by that the, the, the Every business has its own playbook there's not a specific playbook overall and I think it's I think sometimes people try and take the exactly the same blueprint from one business to another yeah. and that's not going to work is it
1: it's not I think you can have um uh, you can have a toolkit, but you have to understand that it's a toolkit and you need to use it in different ways to design for different environments um you know and so whilst it's good to build up the toolkits you do have the the art of great hr i think in building great businesses is understanding how to make it relevant to the local environment um otherwise you just i mean it can't be very exciting either can it to just keep replicating the same thing over and over again so um so for me there are um two things that are important as a commercial people person one is to make sure that the leadership team itself has an actual dashboard that they talk about each week and they're checking tracking progress across each area and that all of the metrics on that dashboard are um sort of key drivers so you know your revenue number but they're also improvement drivers as well so making sure that you're not including any vanity metrics so things that make you feel good but don't drive improvement or not proving that we're delivering the revenue whatever that might look like um and then you want to basically have a sort of a um another version behind that that is what I call the people dashboard that you would share with your leadership team within the people team itself you'd have a bigger dashboard a number of different metrics like if you think about your recruitment pipeline or your recruitment funnel you'd have different metrics through that but you're not going to present all of those to a people team or to a board rather or a senior leadership team so there's some key ones I think you should always look out for which is so if you're on a continuous conversation performance model for example and you're setting quarterly objectives you want to be checking objectives set against objectives delivered each quarter and you can be particularly if you've got technology supporting you you can be reporting on that across the quarter um, and pulling those metrics off of that that technology. Um, In terms of recruitment I would definitely be looking at offers made to offers accepted Um, Because that is a key kind of measure, really, of are you selling yourself as well as you can and creating a winning kind of candidate experience. Um, So that one is a real, that's definite improvement driver. Um, Alongside that, what I like to do is about three months in is uh, do a net higher score. So basically ask the new employee, is this the company you thought you were getting, the job you thought you were coming into? And then you ask the people leader, is this the person that you thought you were getting through that recruitment process? And I think that alongside the offer made accepted um, metric just keeps telling you, are we selling a story that matches the internal experience that someone's landed into Are we creating that great candidate experience are we selling ourselves as we need to are we creating the hook to get them in and then are we cr- continually creating the hook and matching expectations to reality once somebody has landed um so those are two key ones um and the other one for me would be the employee net promoter score um which i tend to do as a heat map So, you know, like people do employee surveys, don't they? And it's like they do it once a year or twice a year. To me, it's like, okay, that gives you a feeling, but it doesn't really give you a complete picture. If you do um, a much shorter survey, say, every four to six weeks and you do it like a heat map um, where you can just you keep temperature checking. So you're asking the same two questions all the time. Your first question is an employee net promoter score. The second one is really around how much do people want to. Promote you to potential candidates to the outside world, and then you might ask, you know, the odd other question about things that are relevant. But you've got this heat map building up, and you can attach that feeling, that that engagement across the business to different things that are happening. And that, to me, is a very successful way of doing it. The one caveat I would just say is never just use the employee net promoter score. Always provide opportunity to provide narrative because that gives you context. And you need the context to make the Employee Net Promoter Score valuable. Um, So those are the key ones that I would be looking at. Um, The other one I would look at is unplanned attrition. So are you losing people who are critical to the business? But to be honest with you, a lot of that information you can probably get from your Employee Net Promoter Score. Because if you're breaking it down by team and... Um, and then, looking at it overall as a business, you'll get those themes coming out of where people are engaged, where they're not, what's happening in each area, where you need to maybe focus a bit more time um, or adapt initiatives, things like that. Then those are the things that I would um, that you know you need to be aware of, but it is worth tracking the unplanned um, attrition so that you um, have got touch points everywhere of where you might have you know risk of losing critical talents.
0: Yeah, that absolutely all makes sense. Perfect. And what what are the what what are the, the key things? Top line that that the foundations, if you like, to build a great business in your eyes.
1: Gosh, building a great business. Um, I think it's a number of different things, but I think some key things which you have to have, which are kind of non-negotiables. You have got to have a great leadership team that works as one team. So they're singing from the same hymn sheet, they're all aiming towards the same goal and they are all coming at it in a way which is acting as almost like one person. So everybody brings something different into that team, but you're doing it for a common good and therefore the decisions you make as a team are always about how do we progress as a team as opposed to it being in your own interest. Obviously you bring your own points to the table, um, a good example might be if there's only budget say for two for one role and two people want a person, as a team you should be discussing which of the roles is going to get us to where we need to get to uh, faster or most successfully and then you agree as a team well where should that budget go and although you might not get the budget you understand and you buy into the re- the, the, the decision that's been made. So I think a great leadership acting as one team is important. Having a clear vision, um, strategy and goals is really vital and communicating that out on a regular basis in various ways to different audiences within the business so that there is a continual conversation of this is what we're aiming for, this is what we're delivering in this moment, this is how you kind of feed into that or you know how everybody in the organisation can add value to that. And then you talk about progress, so this is what we were trying to achieve. This is everyone 's role within it. this is where we've got to, and this is success or whatever that that we've you know we've we've delivered so making sure that you've got really transparent open and honest conversation, but a very clear golden thread that people can buy into and you're really telling the story of who are we, why do we exist um what are we aiming for and how are we going to get there and and what's everyone's role why do we value everybody's input into that journey and how can you get involved and be a stakeholder in that journey um so i think that's really um important um and alongside that just having a mechanism for quarterly objective setting and reviewing i think that's something because you know in these sorts of businesses you have obviously you should have a very clear vision but sometimes things change and you've got to be able to kind of slightly go with the flow and adapt in the moments. Um, so having more of a continuous conversation model will will help you to um, to do that. And I think uh, the other two I would say is you've got to have a really strong product idea. And it has to be a product idea which has been really thought through, that you've used a robust um, modeling approach for that something like I don't know it could be something like strategizer something like that but you the your product idea has been tested with the market that you've gone out you've got your research that you're you've got a product vision you have a product strategy and you've got a roadmap that you're delivering to and that you've actually got a clear value proposition to go out to your customer with now you might not have all of that in one to start off with but you should definitely have that as a focus to get there as quickly as you can and it you start with you know with what you've got and you iterate and you continue to work on it and build on it and make sure there's stakeholder input in every every stage and that it's been communicated out people are buying into it and you know how it's going to be delivered and then the last one for me um, you know you've got to have a culture which delivers the business strategy um, and that's a culture of values working practice mindsets style of people leadership within an organization obviously it might look different depending on the organization you're in but it you have to have a culture or be aspiring to a culture or building a culture that you cannot just talk about but you can actually lead by example on as a leadership team and you can really embed through the business you know it's great to have an idea about having a brilliant culture but if it's not right for your business or you as a leadership team can't walk the walk you shouldn't start down that road you should be realist, be realistic with yourselves But also have that mindset of change of to do that, we have to have this culture. We have to have those types of values or that agility of working. And we need to adapt ourselves in order to lead by example on that. So make sure you're investing that effort in change, in changing yourself as leaders, in change to helping the business through change um, and, and really investing in good quality people leadership within the business to help that business deliver forward so those are kind of key things I would um, sort of that I think you have to have in different stages Um, you don't have to have it all at once again it's start with what you've got and keep iterating but just keep working on it and know what your goal is know where you're you're aiming for and how you're going to get there and communicate that all the time (laughs) You can't you, you want communication to be simple and relevant, but you want it to be often enough that people remember and can buy into it and, and know where they are as part of that journey and know where you are as part of that journey um, and how you are as a whole team, where you are in, in the roadmap of, of building that business.
0: Love it. Some great, great advice. Uh, really, really like that. And and the, nat- the, the, the nature of this, this podcast, of course, we're talking about how to be commercially focused people person which i think gives the the, implies that sometimes people people focus too much on the people not too much not enough on the commercial side so if we is there a methodology to becoming more commercial as a people person
1: so for me the easiest way to become more commercial as a people person is to be very is to be product-led in your thinking so um if you think about how a product manager, product owner, depends on what the business might call it, thinks in terms of when they are developing a product for a market or for a user, how do they approach that? Um, so if you think about it from a people perspective, your user is your employee, your leadership, your board, you could argue. Now, who are your stakeholders, effectively? Who are your the key people you're looking to deliver for? Um, and to buy into you and I think so but overall mainly you're thinking about when you're thinking about people initiatives you're thinking about delivering for the employees within the business to help the business succeed so your user is your employee Um, and beyond that getting that headspace of okay they are the user of the product and therefore what are we how do we build a product for the user I think for people in people teams, you've got to really, the first thing I would do is beyond starting to even think about the planning is think about the mindset. Um, So thinking about, you know, focusing on value. So what value are you adding to your employee with your people strategy, with the initiatives you might want to um, introduce? Um, And what experience are you enabling creating um, for them so you need to be thinking about you know what's your employee value proposition and that's not just about the story that you say to a candidate that's about the whole employee experience much the same as you would when you sell a product and you want to create a whole customer experience if your people if your employees are your customers your users then you need to think about how do you close that how do you close that circle and for me I my are lots of different ways that you can approach it from a product-led perspective in terms of lots of different models that people use personally i think strategizer is a really easy one to use and really easy to understand um so that's one that i have used in the past um but there are different other models that you can use as well but when you're thinking about it think about okay this is my user what are their you know this is the business overall what are the problems or the pains that you're trying to solve For your employees and the business and you should know that because you need to go out and do your research this is why you're asking for feedback this is why you're going out and talking to your stakeholders so do your research first and then understand what are the problems what are the pains what are the things that we're trying to solve and what could we introduce or collaborate on with the business that would help to solve those problems and um and reduce or you know eliminate those pains and then also think about how can you then add value what are they gaining from your product what what value can they gain from you and how quick can they can they realize that value i suppose um so those two buckets what problems are you trying to solve what are the pains that people are feeling and how can you solve those and then alongside that what what can they gain from what you're offering them as your as your product um so that's very much in the strategizer kind of mindset Um, But you also need to think about, you know, it's not just about your user, it's about your target market. So you want to think about the environment in which your users are sitting in, you know. So it could be if it's banking, it would look very different maybe to, say, software as a service in an e-commerce world, for example. So you need to think about what that target market looks like and what that user looks like within that target market. And you just need to think about how do we create the best experience we can? How do we delight our customer or our user Um, And how do we make sure that whatever we do gets them to the point of value as quickly as possible in the simplest way possible um, um, so that they are not only are they realising that value, the business is then realising that value because they are then engaged, they're productive, they are recommending you, you know, that, that you're retaining them, all sorts of different things. So you need to. So that's the kind of model that I tend to use but i would always build a people strategy um i typically do a vision a people strategy and then i would do a roadmap coming out from that strategy of what we are going to deliver and when who you know and and then obviously break that down into different pieces of work and then involving stakeholders and then delivering it out
0: what questions are great sorry hannah go on so what was that
1: um, and then the only thing you just need to make sure is you're putting some metrics in that are relevant to, make, to show that you're actually delivering what you're aiming for.
0: Gotcha. Makes sense. Okay. And and what questions are the great people professionals asking?
1: I think there's a lot of questions being asked at the, at the moment in terms of various different um, areas of interest. I think the one that's um, Well, there's two areas, I think, for me that we can get better at and I think are really interesting areas to look at. One is around storytelling as a people team. So why us for the candidates, but also why us, you know, why this organisation is an employee and how do we make sure that we are really driving engagement in organisations? I think some organisations do it well, but a lot of organisations still don't optimise for that in ways that they could. The other one for me, which I think is, um, there's two others actually. The one is around remote working in sort of the new world that we find ourselves post the pandemic. And that is, people keep, you know, I've heard feedback from people saying, we need to bring people back into the office because we're not collaborating as well remotely. And I just think you're asking the wrong question. But what people have done is looked at what happened in the office and how can we replicate that remotely? We need to completely change the mindset on that and say, imagine we'd never had the office and we were always working remotely. How would we set people up for success working remotely and how would we create great collaborative environments if we had always been working remotely? So I think it's a bit, it's like a red herring thinking about the office to some extent. So if you think about the fact you've never had an office and you started with a blank sheet of paper, what would that look like? What would you build and how would you create it successfully? So for me, that's a really interesting area that I think needs lots more um, exploration. And the other one for me is actually about young people coming through into the world of work. So if I think about the environments that I typically work in, we're looking for a growth mindset. We're looking at people who can be comfortable learning through failure, who are feel psychologically safe to be able to challenge the status quo. This is all like continual improvement and delivering better, adding more value to both the business, but also to yourself and your own learning. And if we look at the kind of culture that young people are coming from in terms of social media and being judged, all those sorts of things, it doesn't lend, it doesn't feel like a smooth transition into a world of work where suddenly you have to be okay with learning through failure. You have to put yourself out there and be comfortable with that. I would I would like us to be exploring more around how do we support young people coming into the world of work, um, succeeding and having great well-being and productivity in the world that we now find ourselves in, in a way that is you know creates good mental health, a good um, you know work-life balance, um, and and they feel productive and they feel they can add value, that they're getting value back and they're not constantly sitting in a position of feeling uncomfortable or like they're not fitting in. But nobody's really talking about that and I think that's something I would like to explore more and I think we should be looking at more because the future of the workforce is critical to the future success of business.
0: How do we, as a people person, how will we know or how do we know that that we're being successful in our job? What are the key success points, do you think?
1: Well, I think on a very basic level, it's your, are you meeting the metrics that you've put onto your dashboard? Um, And equally, is the leadership team as a whole achieving the metrics, the targets that they've put onto their dashboard? Because at the end of the day, everybody has to bring, has to be accountable for what they're bringing to that table. But the people person within that room is really such a key partner to the ceo that you know over time that they are the person with the ceo that can really help to shape and nurture that team and encourage that team to bring themselves you know in its in their entirety to that team and and to feel a personal responsibility so for me i think if you're delivering your people dashboard and you're delivering the leadership dashboard which, if you've designed that correctly, should be completely aligned to delivering your business strategy, your people strategy, etc. That, to me, is when you're um, succeeding. The other thing I would also say is where you are able to demonstrate that when something changes, you can pivot really easily and the flow carries on going. Um, so, for me, when I'm looking at how work, you know, how business receives work and how it delivers work. Well, I always want to, I always go back to saying, is there a flow going through the business? Is there a flow from the point of the vision, the strategy through those objectives being delivered out, uh, being communicated out, being delivered back? Um, Is there a flow of work and a working practice where you create a flow of work through the business? Does it feel like your culture is just part of who you are? So you're not really having to, doesn't feel like you're working at it. It's just become, you know, it's subconsciously who you are. These are the things to me that say you've delivered in your role as a people person. But you are only one person in that team. So you have to bring the whole team with you. Um but I think if you've got the right vision and goals, you've got the right dashboard and you're delivering to your dashboards, that's how you know. Um and the other thing I would say and this is just me personally, it might it's going to be different for different people if I feel I have added value and I have learnt something every day, to me that's a win. That's and I, you know that's what I say to everybody in the business. If you feel like you've added value every day, that's so, you know aligned to what you're supposed to be t- delivering on, and you feel you've learnt something every day, then you take that as a win every day. Even if something hasn't gone right, as long as you've learnt from it, it's still a win. Um, and embedding that into every day, I think, is is important for your own well-being, mental health and how you feel about work.
0: 100% agree. I think that's a great place to finish. I think after this, plenty of people may want to pick your brain or get some advice. What's the best way for them to reach out to you, if so?
1: The best way probably is to connect with me on LinkedIn, um, because that's where I would go into on a most regular basis. But uh, um but yeah, anybody can connect in with me on LinkedIn and ask me any questions they might have or continue the conversation. I'm more than happy to connect um, connecting with people or answer any questions they might have.
0: Hannah, thank you so much for being a part of Tenant and Growth.